0: Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. The easiest moral place to stand is in the middle. Standing in the middle is comforting. It grants you the illusion that you're being even-handed, that you see nuance and complexity where others just see black and white. It's flattering to be in the middle. No one hates your viewpoint enough to make you their opponent, and yet you get to stand apart from everyone, tut-tutting both sides. When it comes to Israel and its terror-supporting enemies, the West has, for some decades, taken precisely that middle position. Sure, Israel should be able to defend itself, but not too much. Yes, Israel has the right to exist, but it must make concessions to those who openly seek Israel's destruction. When Israel's enemies pursue the worst atrocities in four generations, it's difficult to maintain that position of studied neutrality, in which attacks on Israel are chalked up to political differences and shrugged away. It turns out that scenes of brutally massacred children, women and men, tend to upset the moral stomach. But then the stomach settles again. All it takes to return to that sophisticated neutrality is a few false platitudes, a few comforting lies. Three of those lies in particular have been provided in significant supply by the hard left and its allies in the legacy media. The first lie is that Israel must be warned not to engage in human rights violations. We hear this all the time from the president of the United States, from the United Nations, from the president of France, from the media. The idea is that if Israel's leadership isn't reminded in the wake of the worst pogrom since the Holocaust, those rude Jews might do something truly evil. They might carpet bomb Gaza, they might nuke the place. The purpose of the lie is really simple to get Israel to stop defending itself at the first available opportunity. See, if you warn the world that Israel has to be warned not to pursue atrocities, and then, as inevitably happens in a war, something awful happens, Israel can be blamed, and they can quickly be shoved back into the box of moral equivalence. Voila, status quo ante restored. Of course, this lie is a lie, and it is a stupidly offensive lie, in the same way that it is a lie when the United Nations warns the United States about human rights violations. Israel is a professional military. It abides by the rules of war. Its enemies openly cheer the death of civilians, both Israel's and their own. By all rights, the entire political and media infrastructure ought to be using their supposed moral suasion on human rights to convince Hamas to release hostages and protect, you know, Gazan civilians. But of course, there's no interest in that. The lie must be maintained. Israel has to be warned about human rights because secretly, if it weren't for the intervention of the West, the Jews would just be like Hamas. That's lie number one. Then there's the second lie that we must all remember the vaunted peace process. Yes, the two-state solution, the peace process that was obviously and clearly and openly stated a ruse undertaken by Yasser Arafat in order to provide the jumping-off point for a genocidal war on the Jews. The peace process that has ended in the election of Hamas in the Gaza Strip, the leadership of the Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad in the West Bank. We must, the lie goes, remember the two-state solution. It's just so important. Of course, This lie is dangerous, too. It's dangerous because once again, it inevitably places the blame on Israel for murder of Jews in Israel. If only the Jews had made more concessions, other than, you know, the partition plan of 1947 accepted by the Jews rejected by the Arabs or the Egyptian-Israeli peace deal of 1979, the Arab states boycotted Egypt after Anwar Sadat's peace with Israel for almost a decade, the Oslo Accords themselves, Ehud Barak's 2000 Camp David proposal rejected by Yasser Arafat who then initiated a violent terror war resulting in the death of 1,184 Israelis, the Gaza withdrawal of 2005, Hamas was elected and has been launching terror attacks ever since, Ehud Olmert's 2008 peace plan rejected outright by Mahmoud Abbas without a counteroffer, and even Donald Trump's so-called deal of the century rejected before even being seen. But the lie goes, Israel must continue to make painful concessions. If they don't, Jew murder is inevitable. So when Jews get killed, it's actually the Jews' fault. Moral equivalence restored. Finally, There's the third and most comforting lie that anti-Zionism, the wish for the destruction or non-presence of the state of Israel, has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. That lie is currently being encouraged by the equation of anti-Semitism with Islamophobia. This is happening all over the place. The anti-Semitism we see today on college campuses is part and parcel of the anti-Semitism that ended with the slaughter of 1500 Jews in the Gaza envelope. Hatred of Jews is the driving force behind hatred of Israel. But in order to restore any semblance of moral cover for hating Israel, you have to separate anti-Semitism from anti-Zionism. This allows you to hate Jews while pretending to just hate Israel. The easiest way to accomplish this is to downplay the obvious reflection between international Jew hatred and attacks on Israel, and instead to subsume anti-Semitism under a broader, different rubric of lack of multicultural tolerance. Now, this is a lie, and it's an obvious lie. Of course, there are occasional acts of targeting of Muslims, and they are nothing like the targeting of Jews. These are not the same category. They do not follow the same logic. They're not the same perpetrators. They do not occur anywhere near as frequently. They are not spurred by the sort of cycle of violence in the Middle East talk that you keep hearing about. All of these comforting lies are useful in allowing the morally idiotic to attempt to regain a moral high ground, via a falsely restored moral equivalent. And how eager they are for that moral equivalence, how badly they want it, how deeply they seek it. How many people are itching for some terrible thing to happen? in the war, so they can blame Israel and then go right back to Israel and its opponents. They're just the same. A site gets bombed by Israel that is a Hamas site, and some of the shrapnel hits the wall of a church and some people get killed, and it's Israel was targeting a church. People are looking for the off-ramp. This moral equivalence allows, for example, leftist Jews to pretend they won't be lumped in with their fellow Jews by the intersectional coalition. It allows the intersectional to pretend that they are on the side of the righteous, even as they make excuses for Hamas. It allows the international community to continue to pressure Israel after The biggest mass murder of Jews since, again, the Holocaust. Never again doesn't apply, after all, if the Jews, in the end, are part of the problem. And so, after approximately one week of global dyspepsia with the evil of Hamas, the world is gradually returning to its steady diet of moral equivalents. They're doing so with eagerness. This is why the New York Times was so excited to run with the false story of an Israeli airstrike on a hospital believing a genocidal terror group from the jump. That story would have made their lives so much easier. Even in their retraction yesterday, they're still claiming the problem wasn't that they trusted Hamas, but that they just moved too fast. It was really not their fault after all. Quote, the early versions of the coverage and the prominence it received in a headline, news alert and social media channels relied too heavily on claims by Hamas and did not make clear that those claims could not immediately be verified. The report left readers with an incorrect impression about what was known and how credible the account was, says The New York Times. Of course, the real problem was trusting Hamas at all. But you can't trust Hamas, can you? The only reason to trust Hamas from the jump is because, again, you wish to restore that moral equivalence. Moral equivalence between a legitimate state that protects its citizens and a terror group that seeks the extermination of that other state's citizens and shields its own rockets with civilians, that ends with blood. It ends with blood. Calls for concessions to terrorist groups end with blood. Preventing military intervention to protect citizens of the West from terrorists ends with blood. Moral equivalence is a sin. Standing in the middle is not a sign of some sort of moral righteousness, it is a sign of weakness of mind and lack of moral backbone. In just one second, we'll get to more on these lies because these lies have become incredibly prevalent. You're seeing them all over the place, promoted by everyone from Joe Biden to Barack Obama, to certain members of the right. We'll get to that momentarily first. Pure Talk recently announced they would alleviate $10 million in veteran debt by Veterans Day. Thanks to your support, they're 53% to that goal with two weeks to go. Think about this. The US military is made up of 100% volunteers. These are men and women who willingly sacrifice everything they have for this country. When they're done serving, they return home to a tight job market and outrageous living expenses. This is why I'm happy a private company like PureTalk has jumped in to help. When you switch to PureTalk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. You can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service to get better service at a lower cost, and you happen to be helping veterans at the same time. PureTalk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just head on over to puretalk.com. Make that switch today. Let's rally together, show unwavering support for our veterans. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to Pure Talk today. It's the right move. It's the American way. Again, visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro today. I take all my calls via Pure Talk. They have an excellent cell phone network. The the tower network is great. The coverage is great. Cost me less money. Go check it out right now. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, does it make sense that a single company controls 90% of all internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between you and your online activity and the people who exploit that online activity. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, Their software hides your IP address. This is something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all of that without slowing your connection. What I like most about ExpressVPN, it's really easy to use. Download that app on your computer or phone, tap one button, you are now protected. So, stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash ben. Get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash ben right now to learn more. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and Jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to. As I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. They're underwear Tommy John's best pair your lover wearer's free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so let's get to some of these lies. Because again, the narrative is switching and it's switching really fast, really fast. Now, I would just like everyone to remember, after 9-11, it took a couple of years for the narrative to switch to the overarching evil of America and America's role in the Middle East, and maybe, maybe, actually bin Laden was, was right. Maybe it was American imperialism that drove. It took, it took a little while to get there. When it comes to the Jews, it takes like five seconds. So Jews get slaughtered, by the way, in overwhelmingly peacenik leftist areas of Israel. And what, what, one of the things that, that is so amazing about this is that Hamas could not be clearer, and its advocates could not be clearer in who they want to see die. And the answer is every Jew, the people. In, for example, Kibbutz Berry, which is one of the places that was completely ravaged, like half the population is dead in Kibbutz Berry. In the last Israeli election cycle, these are not members of Likud; these are not right wingers. About two, about three quarters of that kibbutz voted for the left wing or far left wing parties in the Israeli elections. It's the equivalent of terrorists attacking like the center of San Francisco, and yet the idea is from you know all of the terror apologists that. The real reason this is happening is because of the intransigence of the Jews or whatever. When the real reason this is happening, of course, is because the Jews have this pesky insistence on not dying, on living, on breathing. There's a cartoon that's going around that's fairly accurate that shows a Hamas terrorist with a bomb strapped to his chest and a baby saying, I want to kill all the Jews. And then on the other side is Bibi Netanyahu. And in the center is the international community saying to Netanyahu, can you meet him halfway? And that's essentially the, the status quo ante that we are now reverting to. OK, so I mentioned three big lies here. The, the first big lie is that Israel has to constantly be pressured to maintain human rights. When do you see this? Seriously, I'm wondering when. Has there been one word to Ukraine, to Vladimir Zelensky, about preserving human rights? One word. Can you, can you name one? I cannot. Can you, has Joe Biden ever, ever publicly said under any circumstances, Vladimir Zelensky, your country is under attack by the Russians, but we have to make sure that you really maintain human rights. Now, have Ukrainian forces violated human rights in certain occasions? Of course, because it's a war and that's what happens. But you don't see Joe Biden out there every single day being like, well, you know, that, that's a, those Ukrainians. You never know. They might go crazy. You don't see that ever. Did you hear that with regard to even American troops in Iraq and Afghanistan? The answer, of course, is no. Did you hear about British troops or French troops who are involved in the coalition forces in these places? Of course not. The only place you ever hear this lie is with regard to Israel. As though Israel is equivalent with that, with its opposition. So Israel, this allows the perverse logic by which you see morons on television or terror apologists masquerading as morons on television saying things like, well, you know, Jews were killed in Kibbutzveri and Kfar Aza, but also babies are being incinerated in Gaza. You mean for completely different reasons, meaning, yes, it's horrible and awful when babies die in Gaza. And that is all the fault of Hamas, which launched the war and is keeping physically babies in places. They should not be keeping the babies. I saw yesterday a clip of some dolt on British TV suggesting, for example, that, you know, it's it's of no consequence when Israel warns civilians to get out before it hits a building. Of course, that's a catch 22. That's a catch 22, because if Israel didn't warn, then it would be an atrocity. But if Israel does warn, then it's still an atrocity. So in other words, when Israel takes precautions to save civilians, according to this idiot, this obviously is because Israel doesn't care about human rights. But if Israel didn't give the warning, then also Israel would not care about human rights. And this is all stupidity. And Joe Biden promotes it because, again, there is this, the moral equivalence must be restored so we can all go back to our comforting illusions about how everyone in the world thinks like us. There are no true barbarians in the world. There are not people who seek the active destruction of the West and the murder of children. We have to, we're all the same. And if only we could sit down at a table together and have tea, we would all be best friends. And it's a lie and it's a stupid lie. And also it's an anti-Semitic lie in the sense that again, it equates a moral state, which Israel is. It has a legitimate military that pursues legitimate military goals with a murderous ISIS-like gang in Hamas, a Nazi group that broadcasts its own atrocities on television and teaches its children that atrocities against Jews are an active public good. So Joe Biden yesterday, he tweeted out along these lines. And this is, again, typical Joe Biden. This is the, the foreign policy wisdom of the morons. Biden said, Israel has a right to defend itself. We must make sure they have what they need to protect their people today and always. So far, the tweet should stop right there. That's the end of it. And if this were Britain that had been attacked, that would be the end of the tweet. But it's not. It's the Jews. So Biden says, at the same time, Prime Minister Netanyahu and I have discussed how Israel must operate by the laws of war. Again, the implication being that if it were not for Joe Biden twisting Netanyahu's arm, he'd be going in there with the tanks and just running over kids just for fun, which, of course, is absurd. Israel abandoned the Gaza Strip in 2005. They've undergone dozens of rounds with thousands of rockets fired at Israel. And Israel has never engaged in the sorts of human rights violations that Biden seems to be implying Israel would engage in if he weren't there kind of, you know, massaging them to stopping. Quote, that means protecting civilians in combat as best they can. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace. That's why I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance for Palestinian civilians in Gaza. And we cannot give up on a two-state solution. We'll get to the two-state solution lie in just one second, because again, there is no one for Israel to negotiate with. Israel has been trying. But again, the lie here, the implicit lie, and it is a lie, is that In the end, it's because of Israeli intransigence and also the Israelis, they're really mean. And if they weren't so mean, if they weren't so mean, none of this would be happening. And it's complete and utter rubbish. We'll get to more on this momentarily first. The Men's Shapiro Show is supported by Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university with a vibrant campus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. According to Niche.com, Grand Canyon University is ranked in the top 20 in the country. GCU is a missional, Christ-centered university that strives to foster a culture of community, giving, and impact. GCU's goal is to help you develop into a servant leader who makes a difference through finding your purpose. GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview into your bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. They have over 330 academic programs, 270 of which are available online. At GCU, you'll have support from your own university counselor who takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your goals. So find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu today. Private Christian affordable visit gcu.edu today. Okay, so it's not just Joe Biden who's telling this big lie, number one. Which is that Israel, if it, weren't for, if it weren't for America, Israel would just be gloves off murdering people. Barack Obama, of course, does this as well. Now, Barack Obama, I said many, many years ago, is effectively anti-Semitic in his approach to Israel. This has been true since he became president. Barack Obama is the only president in American history who tried to deny aid to Israel in the middle. Of, he, try, he literally tried to stop the resupply of Iron Dome in the middle of a war in 2014. Barack Obama stocked his administration with people who despise Israel, despise Israel. Most anti-Israel president in my lifetime, bar none, not close. And so it's no shot which again, melds with Barack Obama's anti-colonialist worldview, which is really a left-wing worldview left over from the 1960s. The basic idea being that the West and its tentacles are everywhere and must be fought everywhere. There was a shift in how Israel was perceived on the far left. From 1948 to 67, Israel was considered actually an anti-colonial state because it had thrown off the British and had allowed the indigenous people of Judea, namely the Jews, to return to their homeland. And then after the Jews won in 67, the Soviet Union decided that Israel was too pro-Western. And so they ginned up this whole new post-colonialist nonsense where Israel is actually a Western colonial occupier, which is an amazing switch in time to save nine. But Barack Obama really believes that. That's how he talks about the state of Israel on a routine basis. In fact, in a speech that he made, while he was president, talking about the roots of the state of Israel, he didn't attribute it to Israel's historic presence. He didn't attribute it to, you know, Jewish history or Jewish presence. In the, he attributed it all to the Holocaust, meaning Israel was a colonial state, right? That, that's Barack Obama's mindset. So he has said virtually nothing about this entire conflict. And now he puts out a statement, thoughts on Israel and Gaza, because we needed to hear from him. He was so successful in this arena, was Barack Obama. We need to hear from him. So he throat clears for a couple of paragraphs about how Hamas is bad. It's been 17 days since Hamas launched its horrific attack against Israel, killing over 1400 Israeli citizens, including defenseless women, children and the elderly. As I stated in an earlier post, Israel has a right to defend itself. But, but. Right. And there's the big but, as we say. But even as we support Israel, we should also be clear that how Israel prosecutes this fight against Hamas matters. In particular, it matters, as Joe Biden has repeatedly emphasized, that Israel's military strategy abides by international law, including those laws that seek to avoid to every extent possible the death or suffering of civilian populations. Upholding those values is important for its own sake because it is morally just and reflects our belief in the inherent value of everyday life. By the way, if you cared about any of this, the first priority is the destruction of Hamas. They're the biggest human rights violators on the planet right now. And yet I don't see Barack Obama talking about that sort of stuff. He, by the way, he says that he supports Biden's call for the United, the United States to support Israel in going after Hamas, dismantling its military capabilities and facilitating the safe return of hundreds of hostages to their family. But by the way, that is not the opposing Hamas. You'll notice dismantling Hamas's military capacity, but leaving them in place would be just fine, apparently, with Barack Obama. And again, Israel has to be leveraged. We have to we have to we have to Joe. Barack Obama's going to stand there. He's going to talk to them. All those Jews, if I don't tell them, if I need to stop and they're just going to go in there and they're going to be brutal, they're going to be horrible. And then he says, this is an enormously difficult task. War is always tragic. Even the most carefully planned military operations often put civilians at risk. As President Biden noted during his recent visit to Israel, America itself has at times fallen short of our higher values when engaged in war. And in the aftermath of 9-11, the US government wasn't interested in heeding the advice of even our allies when it came to steps we took to protect ourselves against Al-Qaeda. Now, after the systematic massacre of Israeli citizens, a massacre that evokes some of the darkest memories of persecution against Jewish people, it's understandable. Many Israelis have demanded their government do whatever it takes to root out Hamas and make sure the attacks never happen again. Still, again, two big butts in in one piece. Still, the world is watching closely as events in the region unfold. Any military strategy that ignores the human cost could ultimately backfire. Ah, here, and again, there it is, right? There it is. If Israel defends itself, They're just going to be planting the seeds for more anti-Semitic attacks, which means it's really Israel's fault. It's really Israel's fault in the end. If Israel goes in too hard and they take out Hamas, but Hamas has put too many civilians in front of its rockets, well, all that's going to do is it's going to create more terror against Israel. And then really, who's to blame? The Jews, says Barack Obama. Because again, The Israeli government's decision to cut off food, water, and electricity to a captive civilian population threatens not only to worsen a growing humanitarian crisis, it could further harden Palestinian attitudes for generations. Oh, the vaunted Palestinian attitudes, because as we know, they are extremely pliable right now and have been for 30 years. So much pliability, so much attempt for peace, so many peace seeking people who don't exist. That's obviously that that's the big priority. The priority after the murder of 1500 Jews in Israel and the kidnapping of 200 is the pliability of the Palestinian population. By the way, Israel I got to say, the Gaza hospitals, where the power is still largely on, it's like Hanukkah over there. It was one day of oil that was supposed to last for one day, lasted for eight. We're now like 18 days into the war. And still, magically, there's still some electricity in northern Gaza. By the way, there's still water in many. Why? Because Israel provided 5 to 10 percent of all the water in the first place. By the way, there's still full power and water in the south of Gaza. The entire purpose of cutting off the water and power in the north is to send people to the south so you can do military operations in the north. But Barack Obama knows that. Instead, he's just promoting this lie. And it goes on and on and on and on. And then, of course, he suggests that the the end of this, it's like all the lies at once from Barack Obama because this is what he does. We'll get to more of Barack Obama's lies in just one second. Again, trying to set up that moral parody that ends with Israel endangering its own existence and blaming Israel for dead Jews. We'll get to that momentarily first. The October 15th tax deadline has just passed. I know many of you might be dreading the stress of filing those taxes. Well, filing your taxes can be a long, excruciating process, but if you don't file, you're going know, to start to pile penalties on your tax debt. That's why you need to check out Tax Network USA. The team at Tax Network USA has a track record of success. They've reduced tax debts for numerous clients totaling over a billion dollars. Whether you're looking at a $10,000 or $1 million tax debt that can help you with a settlement, which would be good. You don't want to let that tax debt overrun your life. It doesn't matter if you haven't filed in one year, five years, even a whole decade. Tax Network USA is equipped to secure the best settlement for you. The IRS will in fact work with them, work with you, try to solve your debt problem. Their expert attorneys and tax professionals can help resolve all tax cases no matter how they started. Do not let your tax debt control your life any longer. Take the first step toward resolving your tax issues by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. That's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro today, getting in. Trouble with debt is one of the worst things that can happen to you in terms of your personal life. Make sure that you get that debt under control. Head on over to taxnetworkusa.com slash resolve your problems with the IRS. Okay, so again, Barack Obama, long essay, lecturing the Jews, of course. He says, finally, in dealing with what is an extraordinarily complex situation, again, there's the complexity. There's the, oh, so much nuance, so much complexity, because standing in the moral middle allows you to stand with the bad guys while pretending that you're not. He says, In dealing with what's an extraordinarily complex situation where so many are in pain and passions are understandably running high, all of us need to do our best to put our best values rather than our worst fears on displays. That means actively opposing anti-Semitism in all of its forms everywhere. It means rejecting efforts to minimize the terrible tragedy the Israeli people have just endured notice the Israeli people, not not the Jewish people, the Israeli people, as well as the morally bankrupt suggestion that any cause can somehow justify the deliberate slaughter of innocent people. It means rejecting anti-Muslim, anti-Arab or anti-Palestinian sentiment. It means refusing to lump all Palestinians with Hamas or other terrorist groups. It means guarding against dehumanizing language toward the people of Gaza. Okay, how about this? How about none of this has been dehumanizing? Civilians in Gaza are still civilians and it's Hamas's fault. They're in the way. Quote, it means acknowledging the Palestinians have also lived in disputed territories for generations, that many of them were not only displaced when Israel was formed, but continue to be forcibly displaced by a settler movement that too often has received tacit or explicit support from the Israeli. Ah, ah, there it is. It's the ah, the two states, all the settlers, all all the usual reasons why Palestinian desire for Israeli extermination is totally fine. It's because somebody built a bathroom in a fraud. That's really the problem that Palestinian leaders who've been willing to make concessions for two-state solution have too often had too little to show for their efforts. Who are these Palestinian leaders who've been super willing to make concessions for a two-state solution? Who are they? Name them. Seriously, name them. I'd like to hear. Full list. Go. Oh, you don't have any? Oh, there's a shock. And that it is possible for people of goodwill to champion Palestinian rights and oppose certain Israeli government policies in the West Bank and Gaza without being anti-Semitic. Nobody even made the accusation that you have to agree with everything Israel does. But you do have to look at reality in the face. Reality in the face. The Palestinian Authority seeks the destruction of Israel. They're not shy about this. They lie to the West. And then in Arabic, they say what they actually think, which is solidarity with Hamas. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is a terror group. Hamas is a terror group. I don't understand. Well, I mean, I do. I know exactly what's going on here. You got to promote the lie. And then, of course, he refers to Thomas Friedman and Ben Rhodes and all the people who agree with him on the super moral complexity of the situation, which really amounts to Israel is to blame. And again, th- that's big lie number one. Is- big lie number one is Israel has to be pressured because if they don't, they're just going to violate human rights. And you can see it from all the usual pro-Hamas suspects that would include the venerably stupid AOC, a woman with barely one brain cell. She, I mean, she does not even have two to rub together. Here, it's, it's war crimes, according to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, straight from the bar in, uh, in Brooklyn.
1: Hamas has absolutely engaged in horrific attacks. And every single day, Uh, There are more details um, that are released about what occurred on October 7th that shocks the human consciousness and and, and shocks our conscience, our collective conscience. However, we do know as well that war crimes do not constitute and are not an appropriate response for other war crimes.
0: A war crime. There, there's the pure moral equivalent. It's a war crime, you see. Shooting a baby in the head in the backseat of a car is exactly the same thing as you're aiming at a Palestinian rocket that is being fired by Hamas from behind an apartment building, and civilians get killed in the process of you destroying that rocket launcher behind an apartment building. Same thing to AOC. And if we don't encourage the, the, those those pesky Jews and they're and they're defending themselves, yeah, you know, those human rights violators. Here again is CNN guest Rula Jabriel doing the same exact routine. Israel is trying, she says, to expel Palestinians, which is weird since Israel withdrew. The only by the way, the only people who have been expelled from the Gaza Strip in the last 20 years are Jews. 8,000 of them forcibly removed from 21 communities in the Gaza Strip in 2005. Weird how the expulsion of Palestinians since 1948 has changed the Palestinian population in the land of Israel and the West Bank and the Gaza Strip from approximately 1.2 million to almost Seven million people. Worst ethnic cleansing effort of all time. Here's Rula Jebrel.
1: I mean, what Israel is suggesting to those countries, but also to the Palestinians, we would basically expel you. Millions, probably. And this is a definition of ethnic cleansing. If you are allowing refugees to exit, but never to enter to the land they belong to you're basically creating a massive refugee crisis. So a country that is already paying the prices of other refugee crises. So the only alternative that they're trying to ask the administration, pressure Israel to create basically a place where, if you really care about human life and the sanctity of human life, and international law as well, Israel is the ultimate power that can determine what what to do with refugees.
0: Oh, it's Israel that has to do it. So Hamas, by the way, was in control of this entire area for 20 years, but ruler Jabriel had nothing to say about that. Nothing. Zero. Zip zilch. Egypt could take control of this entire area and make it into a paradise. Have they done that? No. No. By the way, Israel has 20% of its citizens, are Israeli Arab. 20% of its citizens. This this talk of ethnic Israel did not want to be in the Gaza Strip. They don't want to be in the Gaza Strip. The only reason that there is a refugee problem right now is because Hamas uses civilians as not only its human shields, but as its targets for indoctrination. No state, no state on earth would accept a population in its very midst that seeks its open destruction. And if they do, that's a suicidal state. If Israel had its brothers, Israel would have turned the Gaza Strip into Hong Kong that was the offer in 2005. And instead, Hamas turned it into what you would imagine a terrorist state. But again, this is the lie. The lie is that, uh, it, again, it's always Israel. It's always, a, go back right to the moral equivalence. A, a, an idiot who resigned from the State Department named Josh Paul, former director of the State Department's Bureau of Political and Military Affairs. He resigned from the State Department. Why? Because he says that the United States needed to force Israel to abide by human rights. He said, well, on October 7th, when Hamas massacred Israeli civilians, I felt sick to my stomach, both because of the horror being visited upon innocence and because I knew what would come next? Oh, uh, that, that's really it. Yes, because he knew what would come next. Those, those bad, bad Jews. OK, so that's big line number one. Big line number two. Big line number two is that Israel effectively anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. And that really, when we're talking about the rise in anti-Semitism, that we're seeing all over the globe. When we see giant crowds in the streets in London chanting free Palestine, which means murder all the Jews in the area. Or when we see people in Sydney chanting gas the Jews, they don't actually mean gas the Jews. They mean, that Israel should be nicer. That's what they actually mean, that it's transmuted. And thus, anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, is not actually like in any way wanting the destruction of the state of Israel. See, here's the thing. If you admit that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, the calls for a two-state solution become untenable. The reason they become untenable is because everyone in the Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad hierarchy, everyone, and by the way, large swaths of the Palestinian population are anti-Zionist. When I say large swath, I mean nearly everyone is anti-Zionist. So if you admit that anti-Zionism equals anti-Semitism, you're admitting that that population is anti-Semitic and you can't make a deal with anti-Semites. So instead, there has to be this self-flattering Western bizarre view that anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism are two separate things. Again, that was completely exploded October 7th when a group of very left wing, many of them peace activists in Israel were slaughtered wholesale by jihadis. That was destroyed. But they're going to go right back to status quo ante. So if anti-Semitism is not anti-Zionism, if these are two separable things, then what is anti-Semitism most like? Ah, well, the best way to hide this is to pretend that anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are two aspects of the same thing. They're just part of a broader rubric of of a cycle of violence that when Muslims call for the destruction of radical Muslims call for the destruction of the state of Israel, when they go into the streets of Sydney and chant gas the Jews, that that's just part of a cycle of violence in which Jews are doing the same thing to Muslims. And it's just a cycle of violence altogether. And it really has nothing to do with Israel. Per se So we can put pressure on Israel, which just got absolutely destroyed in the South. We can we can just so that's that's the goal here, right? Tie these together. And you're seeing the administration do this like all the time. And Norm MacDonald had a tweet from 2016 that, that started to go viral again. And, uh, and and it should go viral because it's really funny in which he said, quote, what terrifies me is if ISIS were to detonate a nuclear device and kill 50 million Americans. Imagine the backlash against peaceful Muslims. And that is precisely the the line that is now being taken by so many members of the media, so many members of this administration, so many members of the left is that, oh, my God, the, the rise in Islamophobia that's going to be attendant on the murder of 1500 Jews is just kind of it's going to boggle the mind. The rise in anti-Semitism, the, the rise in Islamophobia that's going to be attendant on, you know, seeing hundreds of thousands of people march in solidarity with terrorists. Wow, we can't allow that. And anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, they are both just from the same place. They're the same people. That That's what's really happening. Okay, now it's not. It really, really is not. That doesn't mean there aren't people who aren't racist against Muslims or, or, who, or who see people with brown skin don't like them. Okay, that is a very different thing from what we are seeing right now, which is the desire to full-scale exterminate the state of Israel because it's filled with Jews. If the state of Israel were not filled with Jews, they would not be interested in exterminating it, would they? In any case, here was Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday. She was asked about the rise in anti-Semitism in the United States, which, yeah, I mean, Jews don't feel comfortable on campus because many of them have been beaten up. Jews in Skokie are being are, are being confronted with mass protests in favor of Hamas. Every Jew I know personally, like literally every Jew I know personally, is obtaining a gun, everyone. Because of the rise in anti-Semitism, but here is Karine jean Pierre's asked about anti-Semitism, and she immediately swivels into Islamophobia land, and so you have to ask why. You have to ask. You have to ask yourself why. And the answer is again, it's that desire to separate off anti-Zionism from anti-Semitism by instead lumping together anti-Semitism and Islamophobia under some sort of broad rubric of all all discrimination is bad. Here is Karine Jean-Pierre, incompetent press secretary
1: level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel? So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats, uh, and so uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. And certainly President Biden Mm. understands that many of our Muslim, Arab, Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his uh, in his address uh, just last last Thursday.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, I I heard the question being about anti-Semitism and yet you immediately swiveled into Islamophobia. How weird. How strange. Why? Why? Because if you can swivel into Islamophobia from a question about anti-Semitism, this allows you to avoid the real-time, real-world implications of the fact that anti-Israel is anti-Semitic. That that's what that is. Instead, you just misdirect. By the way, Karine Jean-Pierre, I mean, she pretty much said it openly yesterday in a follow-on, in a follow-on question. She was asked about whether anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism on college campuses. And she's like, ah, I know uh, John Kirby addressed the protests on college campuses, and I appreciate that the President respects First Amendment rights to protest, but does the President view anti-Israel protests and sentiment on college campuses as anti-Semitism? So
1: look, I'm not going to get into what's happening across the country in, at different universities, I'm not going to get into oh, the specifics, as the Admiral said, the First hmm. Amendment right, right? That's what something, a peaceful protest is really... Uh, part of part of our democracy, being able for folks to, to uh oh these to people are pathetic. I'm sorry. This is, this is the most pathetic bullshit I've
0: you. ever heard. When Thank she you. says this kind of stuff, just cut her off, she's a moron. When when she says this sort of stuff, just remember her president ran and is going to run again on protesters in Charlottesville shouting about things, right? Anti Semitic and racist protesters in Charlottesville. I remember her saying things like, well, you know, that is the First Amendment right. That is the way that it works. That's not the question. You have literally spent your entire modern political career suggesting that racism has no place. Anti-Islam, these have no place. They have no place. But when you see it manifest every single day on college campuses where thousands of people are marching in solidarity with a terrorist group, then, well, that is free speech. We have nothing to say here. Nothing to say here. Because again, The idea here is that you can be as anti-Israel as you want to be up to and including the slaughter of Jews. And that's basically just like Islam. By the way, just on the merits, can we point out here that the number of anti-Jewish incidents in 2022, there were 1,590 federally reported incidents related to religion in terms of hate crimes. 51.4% were against Jews. A majority were against Jews. How many were quote unquote anti-Islamic? 9.6%. So in other words, five times, five times as many hate crime incidents against Jews as against Muslims. But the administration is focusing in like a laser beam on Islamophobia. Again, the idea of doing that is to lump together all forms of discrimination so you can pretend that anti-Semitism is not a difference in kind from Islamophobia and that, and that all of it springs from just, you know, people who are mean in their hearts as opposed to an actual political position that the state of Israel should be eviscerated and that the Jews ought to go as well. In a second, we will get to big lie number three, which is the one that is the most comforting to people, which is, can't we just do a two-state solution? Can't we just? Can't we just? We'll get to that momentarily first. Our friends over at GenuCell have launched a new product called GenuCell 3, which works fast on your under-eye bags and puffiness. GenuCell 3 is smoother, more luxurious, and it uses advanced technology to deliver complex vitamins and minerals directly to your face for instant hydration. It's basically like Gatorade for the skin. Not only has GenuCell been a huge partner for the show, but we've been using them for like a decade in my family. So the first time I ever advertised Virginia's Hole was not on my podcast. It was actually on a radio show, a group radio show that I did in Los Angeles. We got free product at the time. We started using it. We've been using it ever since. The new GenuCell technology keeps your skin looking young and healthy for years to come. The GenuCell Fall Classics Package, it also includes a jawline treatment for a more firm neck and jawline. It includes that GenuCell Anti-Wrinkle Moisturizer and Deep Firming Serum. Head on over to Shapiro for extra discounts on this amazing fall package. Get your skin ready for the cold and dry weather. If you don't look and feel your absolute best, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. That's Shapiro Again, genucel.com slash Shapiro, dot com slash Shapiro to get started. Also, yeah, there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of years about how Disney has moved far to the left and is pushing left-wing politics on kids. You remember those videos released by Chris Rufo showing high-ranking members of Disney's Brass talking about queering the children and all of that. Well, Many of you have been asking us for an alternative in kids' media. Well, it's finally here. My kids love it. The Daily Wire just launched BentKey, our brand new kids' entertainment platform. It is absolutely safe for your kids, and the entertainment on it is great. My three-year-old, she loves it. So does my seven-year-old. So does my nine-year-old. They're all sitting there, and they're watching BentKey product, not because I happen to be a part owner of the company, but because BentKey is really great stuff. I mean, we're talking about shows that are fun to watch for the whole family, that they are really clean. They're, they They reflect your values. They're excellent. Now, the left has been trying to figure out what's wrong with it, and they're having a really tough time. So the Daily Beast ran an entire piece basically admitting that Bent Key is great and that its material is fine, but they're really mad at it. And the reason they're mad at it, of course, is because it provides an alternative. The left would not like you to have an alternative. The left would love for your kids to watch YouTube for the kids, and then the next video to be some trans influencer telling your kids about how gender is a spectrum. They would love that, and they don't like the idea that you can just turn that off and come on over to Bent Key. They don't like that idea. And so they're trying to find angles to attack it. They're having a tough time. Bent Key is excellent. It's brand new. It's ready. It's available to download right now. Again, it's an entirely new company from the Daily Wire dedicated to creating the next generation of timeless stories that transport kids into a world of adventure, imagination, and joy. It reflects your values. It doesn't hate you. And it's, it's safe. That's the biggest thing. You know, you need 10 minutes to, to do the dishes. You need your kid to be able to watch something. BentKey is going to make it happen for you. If you're already a Wire Plus member, you already have BentKey. It's a $99 value you can get completely free. Just download that app to start streaming now. If you're not an annual member, there's never been more value than right now It's joining. You get all the Wire Plus content you know and love, plus BentKey at no additional cost. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Start streaming the next generation of kids entertainment. Okay, meanwhile. All right. And then there is big line number three. So big line number one is that Israel has to be pressured because if they're not pressured to maintain human rights, they're going to violate human rights. And of course, that is all a setup. That's a setup. It's like a setup and a punchline. The setup is Israel has to be pressured not to violate human rights. Then it's a war and something goes wrong. It's, well, we told them, we told them but those Jews can't be controlled. So really what happens, this whole thing is just a big cycle of violence, moral equivalence. That's big line number one. It's told by a huge number of people in the media and in government. Big line number two is, of course, that anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism and that those two are separable. And so you can be just as anti-Israel as you want. You can even kind of be in favor of its extermination. And that's not anti-Semitic. What you really should be focused on is all sorts of discrimination like Islamophobia. That's really what we need to be talking about is Islamophobia. That's that's the big problem, because where anti-Semitism comes from is the same place that anti-Islam activity comes from. They all come from the same place. And that is you being me. Not true. Not true at all. Many things can be bad and also not be alike. Okay, big line number three. The two-state solution is the thing we have to be focused in on right now. That's insane. I'm sorry, that's totally insane. That is like saying, after 9-11, the thing that the United States has to be focused on right now is coming to a deal with the Taliban. That's crazy. It's nuts. No one would suggest such a thing. If you did suggest such a thing, people would laugh you out of a room. But that is now the adopted mode of literally everyone in Western politics. Well, we can't let this two-state solution die. We can't let it die. With whom do you propose to do this two-state solution? With whom? With whom? The biggest advocates of the two-state solution in Israel just got murdered. Their children were just burned to death alive. That's all, again, the communities around the Gaza envelope, those places are, by and large, members of the political left in Israel. It doesn't matter to these folks. It doesn't matter at all. So this is where you get Joe Biden's tweet again. Joe Biden talking about the two-state solution. As hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. Who is we? Who is we? Like, what? The United, no one, of course, the United States would love to see peace over there. Duh. You know who else would like to see peace over there? Israel. You know who doesn't want to seek peace? The other side. Clearly. Again, very simple thought experiment. Tomorrow, if the the IDF disbanded and no Jew had a gun, every Jew in that region is dead. Every single one. If they all gave up their guns tomorrow, they would all be dead. Meanwhile, if Hamas had disarmed, if Hamas were not a terror group, you know what would have happened? Success. You know what would have happened in the Palestinian authority areas? Were they not siphoning money off to their... Personal bank accounts, Mahmoud Abbas is worth now tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. You know what would have been happening if they had not been building up terror groups and indoctrinating their kids to hate Jews as a tool against the Jewish state? You know what would have been happening? Prosperity. The, the, the math here is very simple. And yet, again, it's this idea that we all want the same thing. We seriously, we don't, we don't. I'm sorry to break it to you, we don't. Not everyone on the earth wants the same things as you. And it is ethnocentricity of the highest possible level to believe they do. When people tell you what they want and then you ignore them and say, no, what you really want is peace. What you really want is a better economic way of life. What you really, you are being, you want to talk about paternalism? That's paternalism. When Joe Biden says, we cannot give up on a two-state solution, Israelis and Palestinians equally deserve to live in safety, dignity, and peace. They may equally deserve to live in safety, dignity, and peace, but only one side is seeking to live in safety, dignity, and peace. You think Israelis are fond of having to draft their 18-year-old kids and then put them at checkpoints? Do you think that's something they love to do? Would you love to do that with your kids? The answer, of course, is no. And yet that's what Israel has to do. Why? Because if they don't, they will be overrun and murdered in their beds, as we saw. But this is the lie, and they're going to keep pushing this lie this is also that that lie, by the way, that this lie that everyone seeks the same thing is also why you end up with the bizarre spectacle of John Kirby, who's the spokesperson for the National Security Administration, saying that it would be very bad to revoke the visas of Hamas supporters. If somebody is out there supporting Hamas and they're on a visa, they're not even an American citizen. American citizens have free speech rights. But if you are a visa holder, you do not have the ability to support a terror group. In fact, we won't give you a visa if you support a terror group. And it can be applied retroactively, legally speaking. Now he's just going to lie. And he's going to pretend that if you're a visa holder, let's say that you're a foreign student from Egypt, and you're out there in the streets shouting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And you're holding up a poster of a Hamas terrorist. He's saying, no, 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 you have a right to be here. That's just free speech. That is not true. That is not true. But again, it goes back to this baseline, ridiculous willingness to believe lies that are told to your face while different language is spoken on Arabic TV. Here's John Kirby, NSA spokesperson.
1: And There's been an uptick. Um, on the right, among some Republicans, who have called for um, students or foreign nationals who are demonstrating uh, in some of these pro-Palestine demonstrations or, you know, allegedly pro-Hamas demonstrations, to have their student visas pulled or face deportation. What is the administration's remark- uh, response to those kinds of remarks and that kind of rhetoric? I, I, I would just tell
2: you, I would just tell you, you don't have to agree with every sentiment that's expressed in a free country like this uh, to. To stand by the 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 idea, the First Amendment, and the idea of peaceful protest,
0: that does not apply to importing terror supporters into America. It doesn't, it doesn't. But again, the real idea—they're not really terror supporters. They just hate Israel, and and they really they seek peace. And if only we put more pressure on the two state solution. Now, in a second, we're going to get to the real, the real issue here. The real issue here is that people, people who are who despise Israel, want to see it destroyed, people who are who are participating in these lies, they're doing so either out of moral cowardice or because reality being reality, it turns out that the people Israel is fighting. They don't just hate Israel. They also hate the West and many of their fellow travelers also hate the West. And what this really is, what we are watching in real time, and that's what's so disturbing is the the Franz Fanon Coalition of the Wretched attempting to destroy Western civilized institutions in the name of the supposedly colonialized. That's what we are actually watching in real time. We'll get to that momentarily first. We do things here very differently at The Daily Wire. We host a lot of the top news podcasts in the nation. We launched a chocolate company overnight. We took Disney head on. We released 150 episodes of kids content. And we do all of those things, which mean we're constantly seeking to grow and get better. And our employees have to grow and get better too. That's why we rely on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter makes your whole hiring process faster and easier. Their powerful technology works for you to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. ZipRecruiter saves you time by letting you easily invite your top candidates to apply to your job so they are more likely to apply sooner. ZipRecruiter is trusted by millions and millions of people. In fact, over 3.8 million businesses trust ZipRecruiter with their hiring needs. So make a positive impact on your hiring future with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter will get a quality candidate within day one. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. And start hiring better today. So What's the actual story as to what is happening here, right? The one that is behind all of the lies. So again, those big lies that Israel is a real human rights violator, a war crime maven. Really bad, just as bad as Hamas. Two, that anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, basically two birds of the, of the same color. That, and th- big lie three, that the, the two-state solution. Israel must be pressured for a two-state solution. This solves the problem. The real answer here is that the people who did what they did on October 7th and their allies and their fellow travelers hate the West. Israel is just a symptom of that. It's not just me saying this. There's a guy who is a a son of a Hamas leader. His name is Mossab Hassan Youssef, the so-called son of Hamas. He ended up converting to Christianity and moving away from radical Islam. And he interviewed with Jake Tapper last night and uh, he explained what exactly Hamas wants.
2: Um, What did you see in experience um, that made you turn on Hamas and, and help Israel? You know, since I was a child, I always complained to my father uh, about Hamas' uh, abuse of power and uh, their brutality. You know, they, they're very strict and uh, uh, they very uh, religious. Uh, they're fanatics. And, uh, but I did not think at some point, you know, they would cause all this global trouble. You know, uh, they, they are. We saw their uh, brutality. Uh, I witnessed their brutality firsthand when I was in prison, when they tortured so many Palestinian uh, people for suspicion uh, of collaborating with Israel.
0: Okay, so, again, he, he goes on. He suggests that the fight right now is that Israel is actually on the West side, even if the West doesn't want to acknowledge it. Here he is. Were you
2: surprised at the failure of Israeli intelligence on October seventh? Uh, listen, there was a failure, but this is not the time to blame anybody. There, there, uh, there is corruption. There is failure. Uh, there is lack of leadership. But this is not the time now to blame anybody. This is the time to get unified. You know, the United States need to give Israel the necessary cover to uproot Hamas, you know, Israel is fighting on behalf of America. Israel is fighting on behalf of the Palestinian people. Israel now is fighting on behalf of the free world. This is not a political propaganda.
0: Okay, he is right about that. Now, here's the thing, the, the Hamas fight against the free world, the, the that is backed by a group of people who abide by a particular philosophy. That philosophy, in the West, is the post-colonial philosophy. 1,700 sociologists yesterday. So first of all, sociology is a is a nonsense. It's a nonsense field of study. Sociology is a made-up field of study almost entirely. There are some good sociology books that have been written, but as a field of study, it is a mishmash of absolute garbage, stupidity, and some interesting insights. That's what sociology is. But 1,700 sociologists, including signatures from professors at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford, Brown, Berkeley, signed a letter, in solidarity with Gaza and the Palestinian people. And here's what they write. And again, this this says the whole thing, quote, sociology as a discipline is rooted in recognition of relationships of power and inequality. As sociologists and human beings, we unreservedly condemn the latest violence against the Palestinian people in Gaza and the West Bank at the hands of the Israeli regime. The entire, by the way, the entire thing does not mention at any point what Hamas did, at any point in the entire letter. It is several paragraphs long. It is two pages long. No mention whatsoever of Hamas initiating this by murdering 1,500 civilians at all. Instead, what is the justification for their siding with the Palestinians and with and with Hamas? By the way, it, for all this talk about how the Palestinian people, they don't support Hamas. They don't, the people all over the world, they don't support Hamas. I just have a question. Where are the protests against Hamas in the Arab world? Where? Have you seen them? Anywhere? At all? Bueller? No, I didn't think so. In any case, here is the uh, here is what the sociologists say. Quote, we join people around the world who are raising their voices in protest of this assault on human life. As educators, it is our duty to stand by the principles of critical inquiry and learning to hold the university as a space for conversation that foregrounds historical truths and that contextualizes this past week's violence in the context of 75 years of settler colonial occupation in European empire. Okay, I mean, they're just saying the quiet part out loud right there. 75 years, you may notice, does not date you back to 1967. It dates you back to 1948, the establishment of the state of Israel. They're saying Israel must be destroyed. Israel must be destroyed because it is, in their words, a colonial outpost. Israel must be destroyed because the West cannot be allowed to exist in any form, even in indigenous form in the Middle East. It cannot be allowed, according to these people. That would be an act of colonialism, of settler colonialism. And that means that any Jew who's living in the region, in the inside of Franz Fanon, ought to be victimized by violence. Revolutionary violence is part and parcel of decolonization. These are people who not only live in the West and have benefited from the West. These are people who sit at the highest institutions of learning in the West. They're calling the war that Israel is now waging on Hamas a genocidal war, which is weird because, again, generally when you commit genocide, you don't warn the civilians first. You just kill them. You know, it's genocidal. Rushing into Kibbutz Berry and murdering everyone. You know, it's not genocidal. Warning people for a week on end to get out of an area because you're attempting to hit a military target. That's not the same thing. They say this stance follows in the tradition of the civil rights movement, anti-war and anti-apartheid protests of decades past, aligning ourselves with these freedom struggles. We call on all of our colleagues to stand in solidarity with Palestinians and against settler colonialism, imperialism and genocide. And this letter is so revealing because this is really what it's all about. The same people who believe that Israel is a colonial settler imposition believe that the West is entirely colonial settler imposition, that the West ought to be dismantled, that the West is an imperialist structure. Because. It's supported by things like capitalism and free markets and free movement of labor and free speech. Those things are bad. They are settler colonial movements that must be destroyed from without or from within. That is what this is all about, which presumably is why these higher educators are, for example, at Oxford, now going to debate a motion on Thursday, calling for, quote, intifada until victory. A motion shared with Oxford members of the university and college union reportedly states that the branch believes that, quote, only a mass uprising on both sides of the Green Line and across the Middle East can free the Palestinian people. Both sides of the Green Line would mean violence inside Israel. The Green Line, for folks who are not versed in Middle Eastern politics, that would be the territory held by Israel before the 1967 Six-Day War initiated by the Arabs. They're saying that they want violence across the Middle East in order to, quote-unquote, free the Palestinian people, which would amount to what? Destroying Israel, obviously. This apparently says, quote, that the war is a direct consequence of decades of violent oppression of the Palestinian people by the Israeli state. Again, it's all the Jews fault. And it goes on to say it is the duty of the international movement of workers and youth to support this struggle. And they call for a socialist federation of the Middle East and intifada until victory. That's what this whole thing is about. That that is that is what this whole thing. And they're just saying it out loud. So you wonder why queers for Palestine, which makes no sense. I know there are a lot of people on the right, who are puzzled by this? Why why are there a bunch of people with trans flags marching alongside people who would behead them at the first available opportunity? Why? And the answer is because it's not about that. It's about Western civilization is bad and must be torn down. And Israel is just the tip of the spear because it happens to be a Western power that exists in in a place that has a very different mindset. And so it has to be dismantled. That's the thing that matters more than anything else. That's what this is really all about. Okay, meanwhile, in terms of the latest news, two more hostages were released overnight. Hamas set free two really, really elderly hostages, and they testified to the fact that Hamas has hundreds of kilometers of tunnels underground. Uh, right now, what Hamas is attempting to do is separate off certain hostages from other hostages. They've been focusing in on the ones they think will be most sympathetic to the world media. So that means people who have connections to American media or dual citizens. They are going to hold presumably the the male Hostages that they have taken until they shoot them or kill them. That, that is their goal. And they're going to try to get the West to basically put pressure on Israel for a ceasefire. That Israel that Israel just pretend that the terror attack didn't take place if the hostages come back. And Joe Biden, unfortunately, because he is no longer with us, he is um he's making sounds like that. So here was Joe Biden being asked about a ceasefire yesterday. And uh, what in the world is he talking about? Israel. Is the US supporting the hostages for a ceasefire deal? Why did
3: you? that we should have a ceasefire. On
0: a ceasefire, we should have the hostages released, and then we can talk. Like what? What is it? What is he? He says first he says sure we should have a ceasefire. Then he's like no we shouldn't have a ceasefire. Then he's like well maybe we'll get the hostages home and then we'll talk about a ceasefire. Or maybe a ceasefire would benefit Hamas, which is why they are calling for one in the first place. Hey, there's there's one other concern that has now been raised to the fore. This is the concern on the part of some people on the right. And this is the concern. There are some people on the right who I think are being fully disingenuous and who are looking for an excuse to jump right on the same moral equivalency bandwagon as the left. I think there are certainly people like that. We've talked about them on the show before. I'm sure we'll talk about them on the show again. But one of the moves that's being made in order to stifle Israel's response to this is to claim that if Israel does respond as it has to respond in order to root out Hamas entirely, that this will end in World War III. So yesterday, Tucker had on his program a general named Douglas McGregor. McGregor has in the past suggested that Jewish money is behind American support for Israel and all the rest, but McGregor has military expertise and he is essentially now warning that Armageddon is coming, which, and his proposed solution would be that Israel does nothing, which by the way, absolutely promotes the idea of Armageddon because if Israel does nothing after 1,500 of its citizens are slaughtered and Hamas remains in place, the chances of a broad scale multi-front attack on Israel that will require American intervention go up radically. But Douglas McGregor is on with Tucker Carlson. Tucker, of course, has been pushing a pacifist line on this since the beginning. Uh, here, here was Tucker with McGregor last night. Do you think that we are moving toward war with Iran?
3: <clears throat> yes, I do. And uh, it looks like the chosen destination is indeed Armageddon. There doesn't seem to be any real appreciation for the implications for us. And, and frankly, for Europe and the world, as well as the Middle East, of such action.
0: For what's McGregor has also been an advocate of the United States, basically leaving Ukraine to fry. But when, when McGregor says things like we are we are right on the verge of war, the whole point is deterrence. Deterrence is a thing. You know what emboldens Iran? Weakness. This has been true for literally ever. But there's been this equation that's now happened on the right, where if you stand up to a terror power, the idea is that this somehow puts America in a position that is weaker, which, again, is a not right wing position. That is not a conservative position. It's never been a conservative position so far as I'm aware. Peace through strength has been a conservative position for as long as I've been alive. Certainly this idea that, that you are heightening the chances of a world war, if, if America actually flexes its muscles, sometimes it's, it's a bizarre one when what we know is precisely the opposite. The reason this attack was launched on Israel in the first place is because the Biden administration was conciliatory toward Iran. That's one of the reasons. The pullout from Afghanistan is another reason. So McGregor says this thing won't stay contained, which would be mostly true if America weren't there to keep a lid on it. The whole point of America having aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean is to say, keep it, keep a lid on it. Don't open up a second front with Hezbollah because that is going to tear the lid off.
3: There are too many unknowns and uncertainties here. And, you know, everyone always assumes at the beginning of such a conflict, well, it'll be contained. We'll only have to fight these people, Hamas, maybe Hezbollah. It never works out that way. These things always last longer than everyone thinks. The resources required are much more profound than what we anticipated. And remember, we've already used up many of our war
0: stocks in Ukraine. Okay, so when he said, first of all, everyone has an interest in keeping this contained. Everyone. So, But, but again, there, there's this ugly thing that, that's been happening. Tucker does it a lot in which he suggests that if you disagree with him on the tactic to keep the thing contained, he and I want the same thing. No war with Iran, no American involvement in this region of the world that amounts to American boots on the ground. We all want the same thing here. But the idea is that if you think America should flex its muscles in order to push Hezbollah off the ball, for example, then this means that you actually want the war with Iran, which, of course, is, is really scurrilous. It is, it is not true. McGregor goes so far as to say we have to save Israel from itself, that Israel must be saved, that the only way is to cram down on Israel. What's going to save Israel apparently is is some sort of peace deal brokered with Hamas by the Turks who support Hamas. That is McGregor's actual solution here.
3: The support for Israel is going to erode. And at the same time, the anger and hatred inside the region, which already dislikes Israel, is going to be phenomenal. So Israel is doing something that I think no one has ever accomplished, at least not in my lifetime, and that is uniting Sunni and Shia against itself. That's why I think we have an obligation to save Israel from itself. But that's not a popular position right now. It's bombs away and everyone is cheering.
0: Well, I mean, save Israel from itself. How you mean, they're going to earn the love of the Sunni and Shia world by not taking out Hamas? and allowing its citizens to be slaughtered wholesale and taken hostage. And there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the region. I'll I'll, I'll chalk it up to fundamental misunderstanding and not something more nefarious, because that's what it seems to be. But again, what is scurrilous is the implication that if you believe that peace through strength is an actual workable strategy in the Middle East, which historically it has been, that if you believe that, that somehow you're in favor of a broader war. And that, of course, is not true in any way, shape, or form. Already, coming up, we're going to be joined by Andrew Clavin. He has a brand new book out. So a lot of fun. Plus, we'll get to the politics of the day with him. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First.